1: ny or text hope ny in new york
0: to see the hang-ups we have today Ooh. we need to
1: Welcome in to episode 169 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Source Say Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online or by calling 859 859- 543-0700. Exciting news to, to announce today for our listeners. They are offering 20% off any whitening treatment to all Sources Say podcast listeners during our coverage this postseason. Go to justicestental.com slash Sources Say to book your appointment today, or you can click the link. In our show show notes, great stuff there from Justice Dental. They are doing a uh, fantastic job supporting us down here in Tampa for the SEC tournament, and, and they're going to be with us during the NCAA tournament as well. Please go check them out. They are the absolute best. Let's uh, get rolling today. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
2: I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you?
1: Oh, doing just lovely. What we talked about uh yesterday during our pregame show, what you know, leading up to the SEC tournament in Tampa. Uh, the things that we we talked about kind of came to fruition, Sean. The the need for just winning and getting out of there, uh, doing whatever you can to survive in advance. It's exactly how it happened. Kentucky, I thought, played uh pretty well, but Vandy played uh for their standards a, a extremely well and kept it close. Throughout the game, we got uh, you know we talked beforehand that this was an opportunity for Ty Ty Washington to step up and really uh, start finding his shot. That happened, uh, and and more importantly, they they were found a, a way to limit Scottie Pippen Jr. Jordan Wright obviously exploded for for uh, I believe his second leading scoring total of his season. I believe I think his highest was twenty eight points, but uh, he finishes with twenty seven. Just very important, uh, Im- impressive performance for him. But Sean. Kentucky does just enough. They get down early but they claw their way back and uh, pull off the very solid 77 to 71 victory. So let's get rolling with some of these early takeaways. What you liked about the cats performance, what you didn't like and what you need to see moving forward as we uh, look ahead to Kentucky's matchup against uh, Tennessee this afternoon.
2: Yeah, I think that that Vandy team last night, not not many teams in college basketball I think could have survived that that effort from Vandy. I mean, it was a collective effort from the Commodores. Uh, I did say in the pregame show that I wanted to see Kentucky kind of lock up Scotty Pippen Jr., but it was also okay if he went and got 30 as long as other guys didn't go off. Well, last night was a better Vanderbilt basketball team, Jack, than what Kentucky had seen the first two times. You mentioned Jordan Wright with 27. Uh, Liam Robbins was a force with nine points. Miles Studi got to 11 points. Like they had a collective effort. If Scotty had got what he usually gets or even got his average, Kentucky wasn't surviving that night. So Mm -hmm. that they focused in on that. Some tired legs, I think took over with Scotty Pippen Jr. And just in that environment, I mean, that that was a good Vanderbilt team last night. They just kept clawing back. They, every time you think Kentucky was going to put the game away, they'd come away with another run. First game of the postseason for the Cats. Hadn't played since last Saturday. Vanderbilt had played two games in that building. Surviving that effort, I thought, was very impressive. I actually – I don't think Kentucky played great, but I also don't think they played poorly. When you're mm-hmm. talking about what they shot from the field, from the three-point line, 21 assists. Uh, I think they played well at times. There there are some things to clean up, obviously, going into today. But they got a huge boost from their bench, especially in the first half with, with Toppin and Mints, And then even in the second half, Toppin playing through – a possible broken nose, the block shot he had, uh, the offensive rebounds he had. He came away at the loose ball and fired at the Tie Washington in the corner. But the biggest story of the night, Jack, is Tie Washington hitting big shots that helped Kentucky secure a win in March. That is the biggest takeaway, regardless of anything else that happens this weekend.
1: It's exactly what we talked about during pregame shot. It was he doesn't have to go for twenty. I even said this. He doesn't have to go for twenty-five. He doesn't have to, you know, go for a career high or anything like that. We he, we just needed to see him find uh, find his shot again, get his legs back underneath him, really find some consistency, and then he does go out and go for twenty-five. So that was a a cool little add-on and look. He didn't have his best performance of the year at all. He struggled, you know, defensively, he made some uncharacteristic turnovers. Uh you could really tell he was uncomfortable early on, but Sean, I thought he the way he kind of regathered himself, Cow pulled him. There was a there was a time that there were people tweeting that Uh, that Ty Ty Washington was kind of unplayable at that point so that he, he wasn't, he was hurting more than he was helping. Yeah. He was going to give you a a bucket every once in a while, but uh, his defensive lapses and some of the mistakes he was making as a, a, as a facilitator and as a a ball handler, uh, I think it was hurting the team a little bit more than, than he helped and Cal thought the same thing, pulled him, kind of let him regather himself. I watched him on the bench. He was kind of frustrated and kind of shaking his head. Like, you know, you could kind of tell he was in his own head a little bit, like, man, this isn't me. I, I got to I gotta figure out a, a way to get past this and get through this. Cal puts him back in the game, trusts him to uh, kind of regather himself, and that's exactly what he does. He goes and scores eight straight points, back-to-back right corner threes that uh, really, I think it, it spread the lead out to nine points for Kentucky. That stretch was, I, I think, kind of the difference maker in the game. That's what kind of solidified the game. And then he just kind of kept going from there, really, you know, knocked, started knocking down some free throws late, so, and I thought it was a very, tr- a very strong performance from Tai Ty, especially late after a rough start and exactly what we needed f- for him to do. I mean, we needed him to figure out a way to put the ball back in, in the hoop. And, and that's exactly what he did uh, against Vanderbilt. Definitely a positive side moving forward. We said the last couple of shows, he was the final remaining piece that we were waiting on to have a breakthrough moment. Xavier was playing well. Kellen Grady was playing well. Davion Mintz is playing well. One of Jacob Toppin or or Keon Brooks was playing well every game. You knew you were going to get something out of that four spot, and obviously Oscar is a, the most consistent player in college basketball. You knew what you were going to get everywhere else but Ty Ty Washington, and you finally got that breakthrough moment for him in Tampa and, and Sean. I couldn't find a, any better positive takeaway from that game, like you said. I think that was the well, the difference maker and definitely a positive side moving forward.
2: Well, and, and the thing that stood out to me was he missed – it felt like – two or three or four mid-range jumpers there early in the second half, late in the first half that could have provided some separation. He wasn't getting those to go. Well, that's the shot that Ty owns that you feel the most confident in. It had been the three-point line since his injury where he really hadn't shot the ball well. So when you look at his overall shooting numbers last night, yeah, he had a lot of missed shots, most of those in mid-range, but he hit threes. He was four or five from three-point range, and I think that's the biggest development of all is him knocking down that shot because you know today – when they played Tennessee, if he takes 10 mid-range jumpers, he's going to hit five or six of them. Like, that's a shot that he's going to knock down. But I thought it was massive to see him start hitting those threes. And uh, once – there was a play there in transition in the second half where Savir came down, and he, like, kind of slowed his pace, and he saw the play developing, and he fired it to that corner in front of the bench and found ty -Ty And that was the first of three that he hit in that corner there in the second half. And uh, I thought that that was a great play by Savir and and that was the one that really got Ty ty moving.
1: And, I mean, you bring up Savir, and I just want to point out eight points, 11 assists, six rebounds. Uh, He did have four turnovers, but I think he is playing phenomenal basketball as as of late. I think he's really, really changing the way this team operates and and his pace and just the way he controls the game, Uh, I mean, really sets things up. And like you said, I think Ty Ty could have gone for 35 last night with all the shots that he missed from the mid-range. and. Uh, I, I think that, you know, and he was right on line with most of them. I think they just, you know, just a bad roll. couple of them, you know, swung around the rim four or five times, touched every single inch of that rim uh, before rolling out. I think that could have been a 30-plus point game for Ty-Ty if, if he hit the the shots that he normally makes while still hitting the three-pointers that he, he was able to capitalize on. Uh, I, I think that was kind of the difference in that as well. It could have been – it should have been a bigger uh, deficit uh, than it ended up being. But it was, you know, still a strong performance from, from him. But yeah, I thought Xavier Wheeler played tremendously. And I think that he, him finding his groove right now has just been such a game changer down the stretch when things have gotten tight late and and Kentucky's given up some leads in the past. It's been Xavier that has, you know, kind of, change the the momentum back in, in Kentucky's favor and really clawed out the victory down uh down to the end of games. I think he's just been tremendous as of late. And if can if Kentucky can get this version of Cyber Wheeler these next what eight games, I believe it would be through through a national title, uh, I think that there's I think there's a a very, very real chance that Kentucky is able to cut down the nets. I think Savior Wheeler is playing the best basketball of his career. And uh, as a result of it, I think everything else is falling into place around him.
2: Yeah, he was really good last night. I don't I don't know if you noticed that exchange there in the post-game press conference or not when John Calipari sat down, and I think the uh, the moderator or someone was talking maybe, and it was about a question for Ty-Ty or something, and Cal kind of looked over, and he was pointing out, he said, you had 11 assists, only four turnovers. And he kind of had a smile on his face, and he was like looking and talking to him about his rebounds and his stat line. And what a – you know, that's a kid too in Wheeler that – Jack, I, I feel like that he's, he's been a good interview all year long, but it seems like as this season went along, and we got into February, Oscar Shebae has been a really good interview, but Savir might be the best on the team. And I think that you, you just look and, and you see a young man that's just really comfortable where he is at Kentucky right now. He, he seems very, very happy, and he's playing like it. I mean, the energy that he played with last last night, he, he doesn't need to lead them in field goal attempts. I know there was one point there where he was 2 of 10, uh, he has to take some of those shots that he missed last night, though. though. Those mid-range jumpers, if they're backing off of you and you're they're eight foot off of you, you've got to take and you got to be able to hit that 14, 15-footer. And he hit one there in the second half when I think Kentucky was up one that pushed the lead to three. Uh, big place from him. I think the biggest shot of the night, though, was when Kentucky was literally dying. Vanderbilt was on a run there to start the second half. They were up seven. And then Grady drilled a 3 as the shot clock expired and that cut the lead, uh, down to four and Kentucky eventually took a one point lead after that. I thought that was the biggest shot of the game.
1: Yeah, that was, I, I remember the collective gasp that, B, that big blue nation had, which we got to talk about that after this as well. But when his shot went up in the air that you could just hear the, the, like, please 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 like all the prayers going up at the same time from all the fans in the stands and when it when it sank in kentucky you know that that was the turning point that the crowd went unbelievably uh, just they just went berserk after that point and and uh, that was another one of those shots that, that like you said i think it kind of started shifting that momentum back that they desperately needed because there I mean there were a couple times that it just felt like they that Kentucky was dead in the water that Vandy was just they they flipped the momentum and they were building on that momentum kind of stacking good possession on top of good possession and uh, I, I mean there were a couple moments where it was like man I it just doesn't feel like Kentucky has any of this momentum right now and it was that shot that I think really sparked things and then Ty tie's eight-point stretch uh, that clearly shifted the tide completely back in Kentucky's favor but uh, unbelievable but I do want to give a major major shout out major credit to Big Blue Nation at Amelie Arena Sean we talked about it during pregame I thought uh, the the crowd was already starting to file in before that Tennessee game and you could start sensing that all right the you know the 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 previous matchups they're over with, nobody cares about those games. These are – you know, the Tennessee and Kentucky fans, and as much as Auburn fans wanted to tell you that they were showing up in full force and that they were going to, uh, you know, take the arena over, as John Calipari said, you're smoking crack if you think that uh, K- that Kentucky was going to be outnumbered by Auburn fans. But you could ca- start seeing the Tennessee's fans start to roll in and Kentucky fans were joining them. Uh, but you could really sense, like, during pregame warm-ups when they – Uh, when Kentucky came out of the tunnel for the first time, you could really sense that, okay, this is going to be a special night in terms of fans and in terms of just the crowd energy. And goodness gracious, from that immediate, from the the opening tip, Sean, I thought Big Blue Nation was tremendous from start to finish. Every single possession, it felt like they were ramping up and every big shot, they exploded. It, 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 you know, Rupp Arena, it is what it is. I know there's a lot of uh, criticism about, Who's in the arena? Who's making up the bulk of the uh, lower arena seats and all of that stuff? And I understand the concerns and the gripes because it does feel like there isn't as much of a home advantage as there could be at Rupp Arena. Sean, this was an undoubtedly uh, an undeniable home court advantage, way, way, way in favor of Kentucky. I, I thought that they, I mean, it was eighty percent Kentucky fans in there. They were tremendous screaming from start to finish. And I think that they, uh, you know, I think they willed Kentucky to victory down the stretch. I think that they, when they ramped up, Kentucky's play started ramping up and they kind of helped them turn that last corner down the stretch to really kind of build on that, that six point lead and kind of capitalize on that and finish it off down the stretch. Uh, Just tip of the cap to Big Blue Nation. I thought it was one of the most fun, uh, enjoyable environments at a college basketball game. I can remember in what two years, Sean, maybe three, Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe that, that Kentucky-Tennessee game, I think three years ago at home when Tennessee was number one, I think that was the last like, whoa, this crowd is is a game changer. That was the last time I've ever felt like that. And, and last I think yesterday uh, was clearly up there, if not more. Uh, I think Big Blue, Blue Nation was just tremendous.
2: Oh, they, they were amazing. They were the difference in the game. And And we had talked and we had wondered and we knew that it would be a pro UK crowd, but this thing not being in Nashville or not being in Atlanta, we kind of wondered, right? Like what would this crowd look like in Tampa? And I looked up and I think it was early in the Tennessee game. And I said, okay, there are a lot of empty seats in the second deck. And I know that the, I knew that it was going to be full because there were a lot of people in the third deck. And I said, okay, if the third deck's full and those second deck, second deck tickets have definitely been sold. Well, Kentucky fans took up that entire second level. And when that game started last night, I, I looked across, and when Toppin made the block, and, and then they followed it with a, a minute to three, like a possession or two later, there was a guy standing behind the UK bench that was beating his chest harder, I mean, to the point that I thought the guy was going to pass out. And I was like, that guy <laughs> has been waiting for years to come down here and experience this. Ever since the pandemic started, the SEC tournament's back to normal, no, that place was great. We had people coming up to us, talking to us about sources, say, and the energy in that building like three hours before tip-off. It carried Kentucky, in, and I think it's going to make a difference today, too. Tennessee has a good showing down here, but I'm willing to bet that there's quite a few Kentucky fans that made the trip down late last night that are going to get in the building today, and it's going to be a huge U.K. crowd.
1: Well, and and Cal talked about that uh, last night after the game because they they asked, you know, somebody asked, it it seemed louder tonight than maybe in Rupp in some games, um, and you know, asked what Cal thought about the fan support and the crowd and the factor that that ended up being. And Cal, of course, you know, of course, he's not gonna you know throw shade at the typical Rup arena crowd and, and all that. I mean, that, that's just not his his style. But he did acknowledge that uh, these fans that are in attend in attendance here, uh, in most cases, can't be there uh, at Rup because uh, you know the, those. The, the fans in the lower arena have had those season tickets for 85 years and, and uh, they're, they're not going to give them up. And and so, you know, the, the fans that are down here typically kind of up in the rafters and, and aren't able to make as much of an impact. Those guys are the ones that traveled down to Tampa and, and filled the entire arena from top to bottom. So I think that was like a, a clear difference. And Cal pointed that out and said, uh, you know that that those are the fans that made it, and I think that there's kind of kind of an anticipation and an excitement factor, Sean of uh, you know hey we haven't been able to see this team up close and personal uh, you know one of the most enjoyable teams that we can remember in recent Kentucky basketball history they have been waiting for this moment and Sean it's been two years since we've had a a normal SEC tournament three years uh, you know I think 2019 was the last normal one Kentucky losing in the opening round and limited capacity fans last season and then uh, it being canceled the year before it's been three years since fans have been waiting for this moment and it feels like all of that, th- those three years have been built up and, and packed into, uh, you know, one night. They they released all that energy in one night and one weekend. And I think we're clearly going to see that again this afternoon against Tennessee, uh, rivalry matchup. It's a rubber match because uh, the last time obviously it left a bad taste in Kentucky's mouth. They got punched in the face. Uh, in Knoxville after kind of initiating the haymaker the first time around in Lexington. uh, I think fans are kind of anticipating that rubber match, the all right, best two out of three wins the series on the year. And there's that kind of excitement factor with that for sure. Uh, And and I think today's going to be even more impressive. I'm just very excited to see what Big Blue Nation does. And then obviously if they win today, uh, what's it going to be like if I'm assuming that Arkansas wins today against Texas A&M if they get to that head-to-head matchup, that revenge factor uh, as well because Arkansas punched Kentucky in the mouth the last time around. I think uh, uh, we're due for a very special weekend. It's been three years in the making, and I think Kentucky fans are ready to uh, unleash what they're best at.
2: Yeah, that was the first meaningful postseason game for Kentucky fans since that Auburn game in 2019 in the Elite Eight, and you felt it last night. We knew the SEC tournament last year. The fans weren't in the building. Uh, Kentucky, you knew that they just weren't going to make a run and, and win that thing last year. So last night, it was three years in the making. And the energy in that building was incredible. You were talking about what John Calipari said about people, you know, and, and fans not going to games at Rupp Arena during the regular season, but then coming to the SEC tournament. I can attest to that. I was that guy. I was that kid that me and my dad would load up every year and, or every other year at least, and and we would go to Atlanta And that was when the tournament was in Atlanta every single year. And we wouldn't even buy tickets, Jack. We would go and we would wait for Vandy or Ole Miss or Tennessee or someone to lose. And then we'd catch those fans coming out and we'd buy their tickets for the rest of the weekend. (laughs) And I would end up with the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday sessions because somebody would sell me their entire book uh, just wanting to get rid of them. And that's how Kentucky fans do. And and then as a, as I got older and I got into high school, we would just go ahead and buy the entire book and that we would make that our spring break trip every single year. Uh, so you you know that there's families that still do that today and, and it's a special thing. And and that's what makes Kentucky fans so great is they plan this weekend like a year in advance. Like they go ahead and book their hotel. They they buy their tickets. They get their airfare. they They do all of it and they go and. And that's what makes this fan base what it is. And and it's really special to see. Not saying anything bad about the Rupp crowd. Like, those crowds were great this year. But those those people last night, like the first row behind us over there on press row, I don't think they sat down one time the entire game. And you just don't get that in the regular season. These people are fired up for postseason play. Yeah,
1: and it doesn't it does not hurt Sean that it's down in Tampa and the weather is nice. It, it rained a little bit this morning, uh but for the most part the weather's nice. I got to be honest, I uh, uh leading up to yesterday's game, I was sitting out by the pool and working and and had a, a couple glasses of wine and I was like, "Man, this is not a bad way to live. This is not a bad way to work and uh I'm sure fans that are down uh, here just, you know, on vacation and and just doing it for uh, you know, for for their own fandom, I'm sure they were thinking the same thing as they were going out to the pool or driving out to the beach before the game and and all that. It's a uh, if you're gonna use this time for your spring break or your vacation, not a horrible place to be, Sean, uh, in in Tampa, Tampa, Florida.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I looked at you last night. You you got quite a bit of sun yesterday, so I'm wondering <laughs> how you look this morning. How <laughs> you felt last night. You know, I I, think I looked I'm... over at you. I, I think well, I'm I looked over at you a little bit. You, you, you were kind of red when you walked in <laughs> and you first saw me yesterday. But then after, I think it was after the LSU-Arkansas game, I thought you were pulling for Arkansas. You got, got really red uh, going into the uh, the night session. But, no, the, the weather, it's a little rainy today. I think it's 63 degrees. I actually have a jacket on. But, hey, there's like six or seven inches of snow where I live in Kentucky. I was so surprised when I saw pictures this morning. So, I'm glad to be down here.
1: Yeah, I – uh I, uh, the wind, it, it was one of the uh, cases of the wind got to me because it felt, no, you know, it felt like a nice cool breeze and the sun was shining. I, it wasn't like overly hot where you feel yourself cooking in the sun. So, you know, the wind was in my face and it was like, oh man, this is, this is just relaxing. I was working and all that. And then I remember I started walking to the arena and I started feeling my face get hot and I started feeling my arms get hot and I was like, oh, good Lord this isn't good. And then when I finally got into the arena, Sean, I, I, it it felt like it it, it could have been 36 degrees in that arena. I I would have had no idea because I was sitting there and it felt like I was cooking in the, the, the spotlight of those lights that they had. I was like, Oh my God, I got to get the heck out of here. I, it it felt like I was 10,000 degrees. Like I was on the surface of the sun. I was like, Oh man, I, uh, I, I hope it was worth it because I'm going to be burnt to a crisp the rest of the weekend, but all in all very much worth it.
2: I was worried about you when you looked over at me and you said that thing is burning me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And you looked up and you pointed at the light coming from the uh, video board. You said that I'm convinced that's the sun, just beaming down on me right now. And I'm like, are you okay? And then you started getting really red. No, I, I'm a zombie today. I stayed up till 3:30 this morning working. So you're you're sunburnt, and I'm just exhausted. But you know what? The closer I get to the arena, I'm getting here early to do some work and kind of just get things together and take it all in. I'm starting to wake up, and, and I feel a big game atmosphere today. And you couldn't ask for anything better. I was I was hoping that Tennessee would win last night, and I definitely wanted Kentucky to win because I wanted to see this rematch on a neutral floor. Kentucky has the chip on its shoulder this time. They were kind of – they were punked in Knoxville. They were embarrassed. I mean, Tennessee took it right to them. Ty Ty Washington wasn't 100%. I was glad to see Arkansas advance. I really hope that you get to see Kentucky play Tennessee today and Arkansas tomorrow because those are two very good basketball teams, and uh, the BBN deserves this after no postseason play for the last few years.
1: I mean, you couldn't get two more polar opposite games between matchup one and matchup two. First time around, it was – uh, it was a historic offensive display for Kentucky they put up 107 points they shot 67.9% from the field 61.1% from 3 95% from the free throw line uh, i mean it was it was a game that i came away thinking that was the most efficient dominant offensive performance i've ever seen Kentucky have under john calipari i thought it was Uh, they were just everybody was on fire they were firing on all cylinders making every shot that they took it it was just absurd what the the shooting number I think they were shooting 70 percent from the field I think going into the last eight minutes of the game or something absurd I mean it was like they they everything they tossed up fell and it was it was just one of those nights that they couldn't miss. And in Tennessee, it didn't matter how well they played. They didn't even play that horrible. I mean, I think they still they still scored 79 points or whatever it was. Uh, so uh, they, they played okay, but Kentucky just played an elite game the first time around. And then the second time around, uh, as John Calipari put it last night, and I quote, um, they beat our brains out was the exact quote yep. that John Calipari had last night they it was a it was one of those nights Kentucky shoots 34 percent from the field and 31 percent from three Ty Washington gets uh you know re-aggravates his ankle he c- tries to force it and and clearly doesn't look uh, look right Savvy Wheeler hurts his wrist at the end of the game uh it was just kind of a kind of one of those nights that uh, everything was going well it was a hostile environment everybody uh, was bleeding orange down there. It was, it was a, a sea of orange. The crowd was incredible at Thompson uh Thompson Bowling Arena. And uh they they responded. They threw the haymaker right back and Kentucky got punked. It was a 13 point win in Tennessee's favor and it didn't feel that close. So this is an an, an opportunity, Sean, for a a true what, what is you know who is the, the true winner out of these two teams it's the best two out of three. It's a neutral site where both fans have have an equal opportunity to come in and, and establish a home court advantage clearly I think Kentucky's going to take that uh, take that over this afternoon but uh, it's it's not going to be at Rup, it's not going to be uh, in Knoxville it's going to be an opportunity for it's a neutral site. Best of the best. Who's going to come out on top in, in advance to the uh, SEC championship game? Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very fun one this afternoon.
2: It is. It's going to be super fun. I think that these are the best two teams in the league, regardless of seed in the SEC tournament. I think on a neutral floor with these fan bases, the talent, the head coaches, I think these are the best two teams in the league. We, we know how Auburn's been playing for the last month. We saw that yesterday. Tennessee's actually been playing very good basketball. This is the rubber match that decides it. I wanted to see it on a neutral floor. I don't know how neutral it's going to be, though, because we saw that Kentucky fan base uh, down here last night. It's probably going to sound like arena at times to Tennessee. I know it did to Vandy. But this is a day where Kentucky needs to give Tennessee a dose of its own medicine. That is in-your-face pressure defense. Make things difficult for Tennessee. We know that the balls, when they lose, they struggle to score. They struggle to get out of the 50s. They're going to want this game to be somewhere in the 66 to 70 range. And and if it is, Tennessee is going to have a very good chance of winning this game. Kentucky just needs to kind of match them and say, all right, you want to defend, we'll defend too. And then I think Kentucky will be able to hit shots and their offensive efficiency will take over in the second half. And that's the recipe for winning this one is you've got to give Tennessee a dose of its own medicine.
1: And another thing to keep a very, very close eye on Sean Kennedy Chandler goes down three separate times yesterday with an ankle injury, the same injury, the same ankle. He kept uh it, it kept getting reaggravated, and you could tell that he was bothered by it. He finished the game. He came back. He was riding the, the workout bike and he was running back in the tunnel back and forth, really trying to work that thing out. But Sean, one night uh, there's there's no time for rest one night of of recovery uh with limited training staff he's not in, in his own home environment where he can work out uh with the, with the head trainers and with all the workout equipment and and recovery equipment that he'd get in Knoxville uh you know being out on the road the way that he is right now what type of impact is that injury going to make on him what type of effect effectiveness is he going to have we just saw Ty Ty Washington the same situation where yeah he's limited and yeah he's going to try to fight through but ty ty washington was a net negative for kentucky last time around when he tried to fight through an ankle injury it is is it going to be the the are the roles going to be reversed this time around is kennedy chandler going to have to fight through and uh be play at 80 this this afternoon if that's the case i think kentucky has a clear advantage at the guard spot. Obviously, Ziegler's phenomenal, and I think he's going to be a heck of a player for Tennessee down the road. But uh, I think they've been at their best when those two have played together and played complementary basketball. Kind of when, you know, Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington have played well together, Kentucky has been unstoppable this season. So I think it's kind of been a similar narrative where those two together in the backcourt have been much more effective than just relying on Kennedy Chandler or just relying on Ziegler. Uh, And I think that's definitely going to be something to keep a very close eye on is just how effective can Kennedy Chandler be uh, after hurting himself three separate times uh, in that uh, semifinals match or the uh, quarterfinal matchup?
2: Yeah, I absolutely hated to see see that last night. I know that somebody came back there, you know, told us it looked kind of bad the the first time he went down, but uh, he kept trying to give it a go and everything. So that's definitely something to watch today. Another thing that I'm watching, Jack, is I want to see how Kentucky defends John Fulkerson. in that game in Knoxville. They did a really good job of isolating Oscar, and he kind of just used his speed uh, to blow by Oscar and, and create some plays facing the basket. We know that Oscar took on that challenge. The games after that, after Titan and Savir were out, we saw him clapping and, and guarding guards and guard, guarding mobile bigs. I think Oscar is going to take that personal today and, and kind of come out and try to prove himself in that matchup and and get some stops. We know that Tennessee is going to try to give Fulkerson the ball there at the top of the key to the elbow and drive right at Oscar. This could be a game where if the officials are calling it and Oscar doesn't move his feet, where he gets in foul trouble. and You know Rick Barnes is going to go right to that in the first four minutes of that game, try to get an early foul on Oscar. Uh, I want to see how he responds and how he defends in this matchup today.
1: And and another thing that I, I was thinking about watching the two games yesterday afternoon, Sean, yesterday evening, was look vandy was playing among the best uh, basketball in the conference they were playing very very well Scottie pippen was you know had emerged as the leading scorer in the conference and it just felt like they were kind of clicking at the right time and i i think it presented a phenomenal matchup for kentucky it was a great test exactly what we talked about uh you, you know you You obviously like the Alabama, just kind of the storyline because they, the style of play they have, it's kind of emerges a little bit of a rivalry uh, between those two teams. So when Vandy won is kind of like a a little bit of a letdown from a storyline perspective, but in terms of an actual fight, an actual game, I I think Vandy presented a, a better matchup for Kentucky, a harder test for them and I, I do find it kind of interesting that that Mississippi State's not playing very well, and Tennessee really wasn't pushed much at all. Even considering Kennedy Chandler's injuries yesterday, uh, they really weren't pushed. It wasn't really a, a much of a challenge, much of a test for the Volunteers yesterday. How much did you know? Is that going to hurt Kentucky because they had to play a more physical brand of basketball and? Uh, you know, got more tired legs, and Tennessee has that advantage because it wasn't much of a a challenge on that front. Or does it, it does it make Kentucky more battle tested and battle prepared because Tennessee hasn't had? that head-to-head matchup that really presented a challenge for him at all uh, down here in Tampa. Yet that first matchup really didn't do a whole lot for him against the Bulldogs. So uh, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Do you think it's going to help Kentucky that they uh, had a little bit more of a physical performance, more of a a back-and-forth battle, or do you think it favors Tennessee that maybe they're not going to have the same fatigue and the same tired legs that uh, maybe Kentucky might?
2: I think – being in that game last night for Kentucky, that challenge, it helps you. It helps get you ready uh, for what you're going to see today. You know, Tennessee's effort's going to be there. It's going to be a step up in competition. And I think going through that battle last night, having to claw, having to hit shots, having to get a collective effort <clears throat> from guys off your bench and, and Jacob Toppin and Davion so I think that prepares you for what you're going to see today. I, I don't look at the whole Kentucky played the late game, Tennessee got the tip off at 6 o'clock, because those guys, by the time Kentucky was tipping off, Tennessee's guys were kind of walking out to, to get food and stuff after the game last night. So we know that they had a late night as well. So essentially they got maybe two to three hours off their feet that Kentucky didn't get. But uh, I'm not going to make a big deal about that because obviously they, they, all, they all got to sleep today. They, they woke up early this morning and uh, game day ready. They, they played a lot of AAU basketball in their life. So I don't think that that's going to affect. But I do think Kentucky being in that dogfight that they were in last night will help them today instead of kind of coming in here and coasting with a 20-25 point win, they had to fight and claw and, and, and battle for that one. I think that will help.
1: Yeah, I, I think if they had played uh, Alabama, Alabama is a team that they're either going to score 95 points or 45 points. They, there's kind of no in-between for them. They just the, the the style of play they have, if they go cold, they're, they're awful. If they get hot, they're, you know, among the best teams in, in the SEC. And I think that presented yeah if they were hot and they obviously proved to to not be because they ended up losing to vanderbilt but i I think that this was the safer matchup for kentucky to prepare them for a tennessee and then an arkansas in the championship if that's how it unfolds i i I agree I, i definitely think that uh the physicality i think the uh, the the toughness, the you know, it it I think Cal always says the first game of the SEC tournament, the first game of the NCAA tournament are always the toughest because it's a new environment. It's about, you know, getting your legs under you, trying to figure out uh, where you are, trying to get used to the floor, use of the times, getting used to the schedules. All that stuff definitely plays a, a huge impact in those games. And I think for Kentucky to, to I mean, it, it, it's exactly what we said. It, you couldn't have asked for a better outcome they kind of got punched in the mouth at times they got down early they had to kind of put their backs against the wall and fight through but they still it was a you know six point win isn't an easy win but they they were comfortably in in the lead late and it didn't appear that they were going to uh, be upset. I think they got up to, you know, as many as 10 points, nine points there late, and it is really about just kind of holding off Vandy and, and and closing things out. But Tennessee, I mean, they they won by 13 points in that first matchup. If they led by even more than that. And had Kennedy Chandler stayed uh, healthy, I think it, it would have easily been a 20-point win. So uh, I definitely think on that front, I think it helps Kentucky. They, they might be a little bit more fatigued, especially playing a little bit later. But like you said, these kids have played AAU basketball their entire lives. where they play at 1030 the night before and then have an 8am start the next day I, I really don't think it, it's yeah. as big of a deal as I think a lot of people make it out to be just in terms of a time perspective I know even Cal said last night yeah my kids are going to be going to bed at, at midnight tonight and then they're going to have to wake up early and the and you know our, our game's going to be at three o'clock uh, I, you could kind of tell he was a little bit frustrated by it but I think he needs to give more credit to his team I think they're going to be just fine
2: yeah I, I think they'll be fine as well and one note that we got to talk about before we wrap up here is just the the impact that Jacob Toppin had. I know I mentioned it earlier. I know that you've mentioned it as well. Ty Ty hit shots, but it was Toppin that really stood out to me as the game MVP, and it was the plays that he erased. So we're talking about you know Jacob Toppin there in the first half, the block that he had. So Kentucky wins by six. That's two points that he took off the board. He came out of nowhere to block that shot. I thought that that was just an incredible defensive play that only he could make. Uh, then he had the play there in the second half where he comes away with a loose ball. You know, Oscar had the ball. It looked like he was going to turn it over. The ball's free. Toppin gathers it, fires it to, ta- to Tata Washington in the corner who drills a three. So there's five points that he that he's kind of given uh, given to the team there. And then late when Kentucky was up four, he chases down a loose ball and it kind of goes off – I think it was uh, gone off a Vanderbilt player and Kentucky retained possession. Those plays win you basketball games. And the more I watch him, Jack, I'm excited about next year, but I'm also excited about what he can add to this team on this tournament run they're about to go on. When you have guys like that, you win national championships and get the final fours.
1: And, yeah, I I think watching Jacob Toppin last night was – it was like a – a uh, crystal ball looking into the future of what the heck that kid can be down the road, Sean. I think that he has future NBA star written all over him. It, I, I just think his tools, his, being 6'10", and as athletic as he is, when he's pulling up from the mid-range like that, and, and I don't know if you saw uh, Big Blue Drew posted those pictures last night of the lift he was getting on his jump shots. Sean, he was shooting down at the rim. That's how, how high he was getting on his shots and just – Uh, the comfort that he's having taking the ball off the dribble and driving and cutting and attacking the basket. He's going up and he's finishing these monster dunks and finishing up and unders. And, I mean, his versatility is just so freakishly absurd. And, like, I I just watch him play on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's – it's like – he looked like an outside hitter in in a volleyball game, the way he was going up and just smacking the crap out of the ball off the back – the backboard, sending it into the stands. I mean, you watched him play and you went, that guy's an NBA star. Like there, there's no way that guy isn't going to blossom into something special down the road. There's just not, I mean, you you see the path that Obi Toppin kind of laid out. It was kind of right around now when Obi started transitioning from a pretty solid college basketball player to a college basketball superstar. And you could just start seeing. Uh, the way Jacob is kind of just inching inch inching by inching piece by piece putting things together it's like you're you you're watching him put together the puzzle pieces of uh, of what amounts to a, a future star and I just I, you you know that he's always had the potential because he's he has the length he has the size he has the athleticism and it was just like all right how can he put all of those things together and be like his brother or even better than his brother? How can he put those tools together and do that? And, and you're slowly starting to see him piece together those things on top of being an elite defensive player and, you know, his length and versatility on that end of the floor. Just his comfort as an offensive, uh, you know, kind of inside-out threat. I mean, goodness gracious, Sean. I just I watch him and I'm like, I, I, there's just no way this kid isn't going to be a star one day. And I think uh, that day may be coming sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, um, a mid-range jumper last night, and then another jumper late that Kentucky needed with the shot clock winding down. Then he gets a defensive block. He takes on uh, the best defensive assignment every game at some point. It, it just He's a versatile player off your bench that just adds so much to Kentucky. When you put him and Davion Mintz together off the bench with what Kentucky has in the starting lineup, I just don't think that there's many teams in college basketball that have a six and a seven like Kentucky has. I don't think there's many teams in college basketball that have a one through five like Kentucky has. And when you see those top seven playing so well this late in the season, you want to see it today again, collectively, you want to see Keon Brooks get going and making some plays as well. Uh, Kentucky's going to be just fine going into this next tournament and today and in, in this tournament as well. Yeah.
1: It's a, Uh, You know, there's a lot of people that that complained about Cal cutting down the rotation and and it being what it is and, you know, getting down to as many as seven usually, you know, I think seven is his safe, safe spot with Davion and Jacob Toppin being those two guys off the bench and, you know, tip, you know, some minutes for Lance way every once in a while, maybe a spot minute here or two for Bryce Hopkins and Damian Collins, but Cal's rotation is cut to seven. And I think those top seven, especially the top five, obviously, but. That top seven, I would stack that up against anybody else in college basketball. Yeah, maybe if Oscar gets into foul trouble, like you said in the pregame show, you know what what happens then? Uh, you know, it, can you trust Lance Ware to step in and give you real minutes in a real postseason setting? How is that going to work out? Can, can Damien Collins come in? What about Bryce Hopkins? Blah blah blah. But uh, I, I mean, if you're talking pure talent, one through seven at full strength. I mean, I just don't think there's a better better team in basketball. There's Kentucky's already as is with the 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 full strength issues and the you know foul trouble issues at times. All that they're still a, a top five team in college basketball right now. I think they're uh, as things stand a a number five seed or uh, the number the top number two seed in the NCAA tournament. I think Joe Lenardi said this morning that a win today solidifies them. As a number one seed, no matter what happens on Sunday in the championship game, which I think that's music to Kentucky fans and uh, Kentucky fans ears, you win and, and you're you're in as that number one seed, likely in Chicago, which would present an in Indianapolis first weekend, Chicago second weekend, and then potentially New Orleans if you uh, make it all the way to that 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 Final Four. So plenty to be excited about. But yeah, Sean, I completely completely agree. I think that top seven uh, is um, is absolutely the best of the best in, in all of college basketball, and I would. Uh, put put a lot of money on that. Uh, there's just not a lot of a, a whole lot of confidence elsewhere that there's a better top seven um, in all of uh, of the nation.
2: No, there's not. I'm with you. And you know, I said that yesterday on the pregame show that if Kentucky wins against Vandy and then they beat Tennessee, I think that they essentially get a number one seed on Selection Sunday. And that looks like that's the scenario out there. I, I think it's just important to continue playing. Don't have to win your league tournament. Just be playing. Baylor's been at home for a couple of days now. Auburn got sent home yesterday. You know, couldn't happen to a better team, right? But, uh, by the way, your tweet yesterday from your (laughs) your Instagram screen grab, I I think I've known you for a while now. That's the most clever tweet that I've ever seen from you, and that's a compliment because I've seen a lot of good stuff from you.
1: (laughs) Well, when the dude goes 0 for 100, in a win-or-go-home situation after talking so much trash all season long. It's like, dude, you deserve all of the criticism in the world. I just don't understand how, if you're Bruce Pearl, you watch him shoot, shoot Auburn out of the game the way Katie Johnson did and continue to be like, yep, that's that's the move moving forward. Like, no, I'm not going to go with, with my number one pick, Jabari uh, Smith or go to my defensive player of the year in Walker Kessler and and you know, try to work through those two. I'm going to go uh, for my five foot two point guard Wendell Green and uh, and Katie Johnson, who goes 0 for hundred. I'm going to run my offense through them. I think that's a good a good move moving forward. I think that's what's going to give me a, a deep run in the in the SEC term in the NCAA tournament. That's coaching malpractice to watch those two jack up hundred shots and miss all of them uh, while you have two players of Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith caliber. Uh, kind of playing third, third fiddle, fourth fiddle at that point.
2: Yeah. And I said going into the tournament that that was the one thing that worried me about Auburn. If you were talking about them advancing deep into this tournament and deep into that next tournament is you have Jabbar, you have Walker, but those guards are just man, they're they're just going to take over and try to do their own thing. And it, it killed them yesterday. And I think that Auburn has the talent to make a deep run in that next tournament. I just don't know if they have the backcourt to get out of the first weekend. Like, I could see them losing in the second round. It would also wouldn't shock me if they drop to a two seed, which is where I think they'll be. Could, do they drop to a three? I don't know if they drop that far. But that 15 seed, we've seen some upsets in that 15-2 to two range, depending on who they get. Uh, man, you, you got to be a confident team if you get Auburn right now because Auburn has not played well in more than a month.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're a team that can can beat anybody and lose to anybody, and I think we have we have seen quite clearly that when they are away from home, that they are a completely different team than what they are at home with that that hostile environment that they have at Auburn. I mean, it's it's among the best in college basketball, but it comes at a disadvantage because it's it's so impactful and it has willed them to victory it's so many times that when you're away from that and you don't get that and you get used to that uh then then that's where things start falling short when you get behind you don't have those momentum swinging opportunities with the fans and i think that's what killed them and is as impressive as everybody made out uh, the Auburn fans, you know, being traveling to Tampa. And yeah, I'll admit there were a, a, a lot more than I anticipated, but it wasn't anything close to what Kentucky or even Tennessee, I think brought. I, I think they were clearly the number three uh, in terms of how many fans were in attendance. And and they, you, you ask an Auburn fan and they'll tell you that they had a hundred percent of the fans in attendance. It's just not how it unfolded. And you could tell that uh, when things went south uh, uh, in those quarterfinals that, that that they didn't have the fan base to will will them down the stretch. And, you know, Texas A&M played a heck of a game, but uh, just clearly a a disadvantage when they're away from home. And I I think when they get to an NCAA tournament setting where other teams are desperate and you get to the the Cinderella factor, I I just don't see how Auburn makes a deep run. I'm much more confident in Tennessee making a run, even Arkansas making a deeper run. I I, – record aside, I think Auburn is the fourth best team in the SEC right now and I, I don't really think it's that close. I think Arkansas is playing phenomenal uh, basketball and I think that Tennessee obviously is is what they are. I think that uh, Auburn is is sitting comfortably at that number four spot in my eyes.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think that the three teams playing today have the best chance of advancing in that tournament starting next week. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens here today in Tampa. I'm about to walk into the arena here, Jack. I know I'll be seeing you shortly. we got Kentucky, Tennessee. But before that, we have a Texas A&M team that is trying to play its way into the tournament. Are they going to have to win this tournament to get in? I haven't seen Lenardi's latest update, but I know last night he had them still on the, the, the first team on the next four out. If they beat Arkansas today, that means that they would have beaten a desperate Florida team that was on the bubble. An Auburn team that was projected as a one seed, possibly, or two seed going into yesterday, and now an Arkansas team, if they beat those three teams in three days, the Aggies 110% deserve a bid. I right now think they already deserve a bid. But if they win today, I think that they should be a lock for the tournament. And The SEC should get to seven teams in the tournament.
1: Yeah, looking at uh, Lunardi's latest update, they are still in that next four out uh, line. So I believe, like, I, I, I agree. I think if they win today, I think they're firmly in. Um, and even still, I think they might have an argument regardless. But uh, win today, and they're definitely in. But it would, I mean, it would set up kind of a, an underwhelming matchup in the, in the SEC championship game if it does end up being Texas a and no matter how good they're playing. I mean, it would play to Kentucky's advantage because it's kind of a win and you're in scenario today they might be playing their most desperate basketball of the season and kind of put it all into this matchup and you know you can kind of get a letdown kind of like what we talked about against Vandy uh, with you know kind of just trying to build up that uh, that momentum against Alabama and pull off that upset you know is does the magic run out then I think that's kind of uh, the, the mindset that they played with and I wouldn't be shocked to text that Texas and Texas is th- in that same way even if they do uh, beat Arkansas but I know games are coming up we got to get out of here um Sean let's real quickly give me a final score prediction for Kentucky versus Tennessee and your game MVP
2: I'm going to say Kentucky wins this one 75 to 72 game MVP today I'm going to go Oscar Shiboy I think that he's going to respond I think he's going to have a big day He's going to approach that that twenty and fifteen stat line today. I think Oscar is going to be the difference.
1: I am going to go with Kentucky winning eighty to seventy uh, today in Tampa. I think that they find their groove late, and I think they solidify a pretty solid victory and I'm going Davion Mintz Sean he was a a team high plus 19 yesterday Uh, he had 10 points three of five shooting um one for three from three and three of five from the free throw line but he had five assists pretty pretty very uh, very strong game for Davion Mintz I think he's going to stack that on top of it in, in uh in uh I think he's going to go for at least seventeen points today. I don't know if he's going to break that twenty-point mark, but I think he's going to have seventeen points. He's going to be nice uh, as a, a as an assist maker, and I think he's going to will Kentucky down the stretch with winning plays and uh, help Kentucky convert on a ten-point lead, Sean. So. Uh, That's that's where I'm rolling with. So let's uh, get out of here. One final message from our friends at Prize Picks. We are in the home stretch of the NBA season, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports, and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the Prize Picks app or visit PrizePicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Price Picks app or PrizePicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean Smith, let's
2: get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry.
1: Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at J Pilgrim at Kentucky Sports With that, we'll be back after the game for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you
2: then.
1: dot com in Kansas 1877 770 Stop in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit one gamblernet in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline MA.org or call eight hundred 327 5050 support in Massachusetts or call 1877-8 Hope.